0: I hope you uh, got your second edition of your bumper sticker. You know, you've got to be here all summer to collect the whole set, and then you can put them up on eBay and sell them to those who didn't, uh, who didn't come and are missing a ticket or two. Last week, we um, started our summer series called uh, Bumper Sticker Theology, trying to ask the question, if Jesus had a bumper sticker, what would he put on it? And trying to boil down the essence of who we are into something that we can remember, just a few words that we can hang our hat on last week, our bumper sticker was say it, say it till it sticks it looks like it has that 's right. Say it till it sticks. We want to be the church that says to this neighborhood and to this community, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and we 're just going to say it till it sticks. as we move forward into that uh, rest of the series, uh, just a couple of uh, um, moments of personal privilege. Uh, could you use your, I could use your personal prayers. Uh, Sam started to walk this week. <laughs> wow, that was, you know, you push your kids to walk and then as soon as they do, you go, what were we thinking? You know, so uh, it's a whole new adventure at the Nelson House with a three-year-old and a one-year-old who is on the move. That's right. I just want to um, bring you a report. One of the things I'm hoping to do this summer is to get a chance to get out and meet some of the elders of the congregation and. Elders in the Christian church has nothing to do with age. It's a term of uh, it's a term of honor. If you're an elder of the congregation, it's somebody who, who's, who's paid their dues, who's helped build the church. And this week I had the privilege of sitting in the living room and sharing Holy Communion with uh, Evelyn Barry. Evelyn Berry, 92 years old, joined this Aldersgate congregation in 1941. And uh, it was wonderful to hear her stories about... And she loves the parish visitor. She's waiting. She wants to know when Lois is coming back to see her. Um, Evelyn's agreed to do something for us. She's going to be our prayer warrior. I'm going to call her every couple of weeks with some of the prayer concerns of the church. And she said, I don't know if I can get here every Sunday, but I'll sure pray for you. So I want you to know the elders of this congregation are holding us in prayer even as we meet here together this morning. And if there's any of the elders of our congregation that I don't know that you want me to make sure that I get a chance to see, would you just tug on the preacher's robe and say, Preacher, make sure you go visit this person. You need to hear their story. Our word this morning comes from, let's see if I get this right today. Oh, look at that. Our word this morning comes from Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. Hear God's word for you this morning. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised Him. He went to Nazareth where He had been brought up and on the Sabbath day He went to the synagogue as was His custom and He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Him. Unrolling it, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord... Is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were upon him, and he began by saying to them, Today, This Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up. They drove Him out of town. They took Him to the brow of a hill upon which the town was built in order to throw Him down the cliff. But He walked right through the crowd and went on His way. Brother John, would you help prepare us for God's Word this morning?
1: Reach out and touch a soul that is hungry. Reach out and touch a spirit in despair. Reach out and touch a life torn and dirty, a man who is lonely. If you care, reach out Touch that neighbor Who hates you Reach out And touch that Stranger who Meets you Reach out And touch the Brother who Needs you Reach out And let The smile of God Touch through you Reach out and touch A friend who is weary Reach out and touch A seeker unaware Reach out and touch Though touching means losing A part of your own self If you dare Reach out and give your love to the loveless. Reach out and make a home for the homeless. Reach out and shed God's light in the darkness. Reach out and let the smile of God touch through
0: A story. It comes from one of America's favorite preachers, Fred Craddock. Craddock tells the story of his very first church that he was appointed to as a young preacher. It was in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Fred was fresh out of seminary, he was young, he was green, he was wet behind the ears. Yeah, I resemble that comment. (laughs) Fred went to Oak Ridge, Tennessee at a time when the community was beginning to experience a bit of an economic boom. The National Laboratory, which is located there, had begun to expand its operation, which started to draw many new families into the community, most of them taking up residence in trailer homes. The young preacher, eager to make a difference in the community, challenged his congregation early. We, we need to reach out to those new folks. We need to invite them to church. We need to make a place for them in our community. Well, that church set the young preacher straight. At the very next church council meeting, a motion was made. Before the young preacher even knew it hit him, a hand was raised and it said, I move that from now on, if you want to be a member of this congregation, you must own property in the county. Well, the young preacher tried to protest, but it passed with barely any discussion. Many years later, Fred would go back to Oak Ridge and this time he'd bring along his wife. He was much older, a much more distinguished professor and preacher. He went to that little country church and he was surprised to find the parking lot was packed. There were cars and trucks and motorcycles. There was a big sign by the front door that said, Come on in, we're open for business. Everybody welcome. All you can eat, barbecue. That's right. The church was now a restaurant. Upon walking in, the pews were all pushed to the side. The organ was nowhere to be found. In the middle of that room were little plastic tables and aluminum chairs filled with all kinds of people. Fred looked around and he said there were white folks and black folks. There were rich folks and poor folks. There were people who were wearing suits and ties. People who were in shirts and t-shirts and shorts. Well, as they sat down to have his lunch, he turned to his wife, Nettie, and said, Well, I tell you what, it is sure a good thing this place isn't a church anymore because half these people wouldn't be allowed to be in here. You see, that's what happens when churches forget what they're all about. And maybe that's why Jesus preached that first sermon that He preached to that congregation. He wanted them to know who He was and what He was about and what they were going to be about. You notice it. It's right there in Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter. It records Jesus' very first sermon. Having just... Given a first sermon to a new congregation, let me tell you a little bit about what goes through the preacher's mind when you're preparing for your first sermon for a new congregation. Oh, I want them to like me. Oh, I want them to listen to me. Oh, I just hope they come back next week. (laughs) You ask yourself, should I be funny? Should I tell stories about myself? Should I cast a big vision for the church and where we should be going? I should probably just keep it short. Those are the questions that run through the mind of a preacher on his first Sunday. My colleague and friend, uh, Reverend Dr. Jack Harness, who is the pastor at Birmingham First United Methodist Church, says this about first sermons. He says, when it comes time to preach your first sermon to a new congregation and you're not sure what you're going to say, ask yourself this, what if this were my last sermon, the last sermon I would ever give? What would I want to make sure that I said? He said, once you figure out what you would say on your last sermon, then preach that on your first sermon. Maybe Jesus took Jack Harnish's advice. Or maybe it was the other way around. I'm not sure. Because you see, in Jesus' first sermon, He didn't pull any punches. He made it plain and simple. He said, this is who I am, and this is what I'm about, and if you're going to follow Me, this is what we're going to do. You see, He walked into that hometown synagogue. He picked up a roll of Scripture. He opened it to the prophet Isaiah, and He said, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To give release to the prisoners. And recovery of sight to the blind. To release all those who are oppressed. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up that scroll. He gave it back to the liturgist. And then he sat down and he said, That's it. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to be about. No questions asked. This is it. Let's sing the closing hymn. Perhaps the shortest and most concise and most powerful sermon in all of history is recorded right there in Luke's 4th chapter. Jesus' first sermon. So what did that congregation do when they heard that new preacher preach his first sermon? Well, they didn't do anything that I hoped you would do on my first Sunday. They didn't get in that long line to shake his hand and come out and go, Preacher? Boy, I needed to hear that one today. Nobody got in line and said, Preacher? Boy, because of what you said, I'm going to turn my life around. Nobody got in line and said, Preacher, because of what you said, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. Nobody got in line and said, Preacher, because of what you said, I'm going to double my tithe. Oh, nobody ever says that one anyway. (laughs) You want to surprise me someday, say that. Shoot, Jesus probably would have settled for someone coming by and just saying, Preacher, we'll be down at Bob Evans if you care to join us. No. The Scripture says what happened to that preacher on that day. It says the congregation got up out of their pews. They walked up to that young preacher. They grabbed him by the collar. They walked him to the edge of town. They found a cliff and they started to push him off of it. Could you ever imagine me preaching a sermon that would get you so riled up? That Marlene Treglone in the SPRC along with Lois Johnson and Charlotte Mellon and Don Archimbeau and Richard Marshall would come and grab me, tie a hundred put. 100-pound weight to my ankle, take me to the Rouge River and throw me in? Could you imagine any of them doing that? Okay, you can imagine Richard doing that. But other than that, other than that, can you imagine anyone doing that? Scripture says that's what happened when that young preacher preached that first sermon. So what was it that got that congregation so riled up? He simply said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For I have come to preach good news to the poor, to release the prisoners, to give recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. This is the year of the Lord's favor. You see, what got that congregation so riled up was on that first Sunday, that new preacher turned to them and said, guess what? It's not about us. He turned to them and said, it's not about us us not about us do you ever have a friend that it's always all about them someone's shaking their head out there you know you have that friend right that it's always about them it doesn't matter what you're talking about they always find some way to bring the conversation back to them Back to their needs and their wants and their frustrations and their hurts. You know, they're the me, me, me kind of people. The enough about me, what do you think about me kind of people. (laughs) Those kind of people are hard to be friends with, aren't they? And friends, those kind of churches are hard churches to belong to. Churches that are always just about us. About our needs and about our wants, finding ways to always bring the conversation back to our hurts and our frustrations and our desires. You know what a church that makes it all about them sounds like, don't you? Their mantra is, where are all the young people? I need someone to do all this work that I can't do anymore. You know what a church that's all about them, whenever somebody new walks in the door, they never walk up to them and say, boy, we're glad you're here. What can we do for you? Do You know what a church that's all about them says to a new person? Boy, we've been waiting for you. We need you to sign up to work the nursery, counsel the high school, organize the rummage sale, clean out the parking lot, and while you're at it, could you cook four dozen cookies for next week's bake sale? See, no wonder... They wanted to kill him. Because see, deep down, if we're honest, there's a part of us that just wants Jesus for us. We want to box him in. We want to have him all to ourselves. We hope that he'll tell us nice stories and sing us sweet songs. That he'll endorse our worship and our projects and our, and our way of doing things. Ah, but Jesus made it clear in that very first sermon. It's not About us. So if it's not about us, Jesus, who is it about? Behold, the Spirit of the Lord has been poured upon me for I have been anointed to bring good news to the poor. Food for hungry people is good news. Shelter for homeless people is good news. Jobs for those who can't find anything to do with their hands and with their lives is good news. Jesus says, you want to be about my business? Then do something that's good news for the poor. Jesus says, I've come to give freedom to prisoners. He asks, is there is there a place in your congregation for those who need fresh starts and second chances? Is there a place in your congregation for those who are imprisoned by their addictions and their depression and their loneliness. Do you have recovery groups and space for them to find freedom? If you want to be about my business, help a prisoner get free. If you want to be about my business, help somebody who's blinded by hate or prejudice or greed or materialism. Help them get new sight. Help them see what really matters in life and what's really important. If you want to be about my business, then release the oppressed. Pay attention to the single moms and the widows in your midst. Help men who are shackled by the sense that their life is only about their work. Find true meaning. Help teenagers get free from a life of of meaningless sex and Empty and risky behavior. Set the oppressed free. Make your church about the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus says, if you want to be about my business, it can never just be about us. You know, the quickest way for a church to die is to turn inward and try to survive. And the truest way that they'll grow is to simply give themselves away. Rob Bell. Rob Bell is the pastor of one of the largest growing churches here in North America. It's right up there in Grand Rapids. It's called Mars Hill Bible Church. Rob Bell takes what Jesus says so seriously that he constantly reminds his congregation that the church is the only organization that exists for the sole purpose of its non-members. The church is the only organization that exists for the sole purpose of its non-members. Then he challenges them by saying, what if tomorrow Mars Hill closed its doors? Would anybody other than us notice? Would the kids in the community who don't know how to read, would they say, you can't close your doors? Would the soldiers in the Afghanistan say, you can't close your doors because we hang on the prayers that you pray? Would the AIDS orphans in Ghana say, let all the other churches close, but, but not yours? You make a difference. Redford Aldersgate, it's my prayer that we will be a church where the most ardent atheists in our community who doesn't want anything to do with what we got going on here on Sunday mornings would say, I'll let all the other churches close, but not Redford Aldersgate. I don't know what they do in there, but they are making a difference. They need to keep their doors open to be a church like that. You simply can't make it just about you. There's two kinds of ways that churches often view themselves. One is as a cruise ship. The other is as a rescue boat. Whether your church is a cruise ship or a rescue boat will make all the difference in the world. Because on a cruise ship, people expect to be served. But on a rescue boat, people expect to serve. On a cruise ship, the staff takes care of the passengers. But on a rescue boat, those on board take care of one another. You see, on a cruise ship, there's not much expected of the passengers. Oh, but on a rescue boat, every person matters and everyone takes part in the mission. On a cruise ship, all the energy is put into those who are on board. But on a rescue boat... All the energy is put into those who are out there. On a cruise ship, the captain responds to the people's requests. But on a rescue boat, people respond to the captain's direction. I had uh, lunch with uh, Lauren Fry, who's a major in the the army, and he'll tell you, if, uh, if people don't follow the captain's directions, things get messy. What kind of church are we? One where you hear, I like this and I don't like that. That's what you hear on a cruise ship. But on a rescue boat, all you hear is, what can I do to be helpful? On a cruise ship, individuals rejoice when the food is good and the service is comfortable. But on a rescue boat, everyone rejoices when the lost one is saved. You see, on a cruise ship, it's all about us. But on a rescue boat, it's all about them. What would Jesus' bumper sticker say? It's not about us. All right, I know what you're saying. That's some good preaching up there, preacher. They taught you good in that seminary school of yours. But you don't believe any of that, do you? Do you really believe it? I don't just believe it. I've seen it. It was a story of a Presbyterian church in Oklahoma. New pastor, Karen Rogers, came to church. It was a church that had declined like a lot of mainline churches, down to just about a 100 members. They said to their new preacher, where are all the youth? Well, it was one morning in her office when she heard the noise outside her window where she discovered where the youth were. They were in the church parking lot. Skateboarding. You see, the, the community had tried to put up ordinances, and the church had signs that said, skateboarders not welcome here. Well, this new preacher challenged her congregation and said, I know where all the young people are. They're right here in our church parking lot. And we keep trying to shoo them off. She said, I want to challenge you. For one week, pray for a skateboarder. Pray for a skateboarder. Do you know what? People started to treat the skateboarders differently. Eventually, somebody invited the skateboarders to youth group. Eventually a couple of them came. And then a couple more came. And seven years later, that church has now baptized 17 skateboarders into the body of Christ. Amazing things happen to churches when they don't make it just about themselves. So what's it going to be, friends? Cruise ship or rescue boat? all about us or all about those that jesus says it was about i want to invite you to do something with me saturday august 1st i want to invite you to come here at 10 o'clock you bring your kids bring your family we're going to do a prayer walk in this community that isn't we're not going to go door to door We're just going to meet here at 10 o'clock and we're going to pray for this community. And then we're just going to divide up into groups of two and three. and We're just going to walk through the community asking God to show us the community like He sees it. To have a heart for the kids in this community. To say, next year, we want all the kids in this neighborhood to come to our VBS. To pray for those homes and for those families. I believe if we get out into the streets... If we don't make it just about us and we make it about them, oh, amazing things will happen. Please come and join me. And if it's just me and John Bruce, we'll walk the streets ourselves. Right, John? That's right. But we want some more, so come and join us. Friends, thank you. It's been good to be with you this morning.